Thank you very much, Mama.
caught you looking for the same thing It's a new thing, check out this I bring Uh-oh, the rope below the level Cause I'm living low next to the base Come on! Turn up the radio They're claiming I'm a criminal But now I wonder how Some people never know The enemy could be the Frank Guardian I'm now a hooligan I rock the party and clear all the madness I'm not a racist, preach the teacher oh. Cause some they never had this Number one, never wanna run about the gun I wasn't licensed to have one The minute they see me, fear me I'm the epitome, a public enemy Used abuse without clues I refuse to blow a fuse They even had it on the news Don't believe the hype Don't, don't, don't believe the hype Don't, 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 don't believe the hype Yes, was the start of my last jam So here it is again, another death jam But since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked They still consider me a new jack All the critics you can hang on my hold the rope But they hope to the Pope and pray it ain't dope The follow-up Farrakhan Don't tell me that you understand Until you hear the man The book up the new school rap game Writers treat me like Coltrane Insane Yes to them but to me I'm a different kind We're brothers on the same mind I'm blind Caught in the middle end Not surrendering I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling So claim that I'm a smuggler Some say I never heard of ya A rap burglar Media, we don't need it, do we? It's fake, that's what it be to you, dig me? Yo, Terminator X, step up on the stand and show these people what time it is, boy. Don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Don't believe. It's a sequel As an equal Can I get this through to you? My 98 booming With a trunk of funk All the jealous punks Can't stop the dunk Coming from the school Of hard knocks Some perpetrate They drink Clorox Attack the black Because I know They lack exact The cold facts And still they try to Xerox The leader of the new school Uncool Never played the fool Just made the rules Remember there's a need To get alarmed Again I said I was a time bomb In the daytime Radio's scared of me Cause I'm mad Plus I'm the enemy They can't come on And play me in prime time Cause I know the time Plus I'm getting mine I get on the mix Late in the night They know I'm living right So here goes the mic sight Before I let it go Don't rush my show You try to reach And grab and get elbow Word to hurt Yo if you can't swing this Learn the words You might sing this Just a little bit Of the taste of the bass for you As you get up and dance At the LQ With some denial Then they clear the lane, I go solo The meaning of all the that the media is the whack As you believe it's true, it blows me through the roof Suckers, liars, give me a shovel Some writers I know are damn devils From them I say don't believe the hype Yo Chuck, they must be on the pipe, right? Their pens and pads I snatch cause I've had it I'm not an addict, fiend if we're static I see their tape recorder and I grab it No you can't have it back, silly rabbit I'm going to my media assassin, Harry Allen, I gotta ask him. Yo, Harry, you're a writer, are we that tight? Don't believe the hype. Well, here's what I want you all to do for me. Don't believe, don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Yeah, boy, part two bum rush the show. Yo, Grim, get the grip. 
I still will Rock the hard jams, treat it like a seminar Reach the bourgeois and rock the boulevard Some say I'm negative, but they're not positive What do I got to give? The media says this Red, Yo, black, and green that hype. They got to be You know what I mean? Pack. You know what I'm saying? Yo, the Megas got them going up to see Captain Kirk Like a jerk and they out of work Let me tell you a little something, man A lot of people on daytime radio scared of us Because they too ignorant To understand the lyrics of the truth that we pumping into them clouds That brain cells That that's fun under them wooden skulls They call caps, you know what I'm saying? But the S ones are straightening it out Quick, fast, in a hurry Don't worry, flavor vision ain't blurry You know what I'm saying?
Welcome back to the Electric Blanket. We're doing a series of specials at the moment where we are hosting shows with people that we admire alike and just want to find out a little bit more. Uh, Chris Reed, thanks for stepping in, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much. <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but essentially the whole idea of the show is just like anything other. We play tunes to each other that we think we need to hear. Obviously, uh, with Chris, he's brought down a whole load of records covering his life story. That sounds, that sounds big. <laughs> That is a big introduction. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> Life story, mate, about big things. But listen... So tune in for the next six hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I got introspective into my Turkish folk period. Okay, we kicked off the show with, of course, uh, Herbalizer, A Mother for Your Mind. I mean, yeah, shouts to Ollie Teva and Jake for that one. Big tune uh, from the 90s. And then, Chris, come on, second track. Yeah, Public Enemy. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a, a timeless and... Um, Do you remember what you were when you heard that first? Uh, kind of. I remember... I, I, th- I think the first time I heard it was a, a TV thing. There was a, like a... I mean, it was so, like so rare to see that kind of music on TV at all at that point in time. And obviously they, you know, like with their imagery and the rest of it, kind of created quite a bit of a, a stir when they came out. And I just remember seeing footage of a performance I can't remember where it was but they you know they had the like S1Ws in the cages on the side of the stage and all that stuff and I remember just like as a kid being totally mesmerised by it and proper like you know goosebumps hairs on the back of the neck when I heard that that record for me is kind of the standout really um, and I still feel the same way about it now I don't get tired of hearing it it's just a, it's just a, it's just a great great record it's t- I hate saying timeless that's a cliche but yeah, I mean, but you, I mean, you can't really say that about too many records, but that definitely is one of them. I mean, it, obviously, it's like it's of its day, but it's it's still it still sounds really kind of people say stuff sounds fresh even now, fresh from where, but it still sounds kind of ur- the urgency. You can feel the urgency in it. I guess it's you know, it's just it's yeah. got it's got its own sort of energy. I remember again, same thing. I was almost a little bit scared when you see something like that because it's so militant and so powerful for when you first see Public Enemy you're like right what how am I gauging this it's like uh, it's, it all stems from that Def Jam tour isn't it the first time you heard about Beastie Boys you're like oh they're getting drunk they're throwing bottles into the crowd and you're like what what, what is this new yeah, thing that's I mean, coming through, I mean, man. well yeah but yeah, the, the, the press kind of scaremongered all that stuff because it was just you know it made for a, a convenient story but I mean I just, I just found them fascinating because they just purely because they was just so different to everything that had gone before. Like you hadn't seen stage shows that looked like that. You hadn't seen people, even just down to the way they dressed and all the rest of it. it was like, it was more like a curiosity. Like what, you know, what are these guys all about? Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, and the, I said to Chris before this, you, a lot of black history came from Chuck D, and I've got, I'm not going to shy away from saying that. I would never have known about a lot of the struggles, movements, figures without his descriptive lyrics. It's all very well having the funkiest track in the world, but when you back it up with a hell of a teacher, almost profit, you know, profit like that guy. Anyway, that's uh, Public Enemy, don't believe the hype. And then, um, yeah, we followed that up with the Edwin Hawkins singers, uh, Children Get It Together, just a haircut. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, there's not really a comment that works that one on radio because like, we're just, yeah, imagine we're just looking at the cover. But I mean, <laughs> obviously, obviously, Chris used to do a show on one extra, so I'm looking to you here for for guidance in terms of radio presentation. Well, know. yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get, into, <laughs> get into that later, maybe. But, right. um, this, yeah. we've got a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of things I want to ask you about, um, but I think you know we'll. we'll come on to it later on I think we need to continue with the music Chris where are we going 
Uh, another kind of won't be a su- surprise to many people, but another all-time favourite, uh, Soul to Soul, Back to Life, the the club version, controversially.
track. You f- I forgot totally about that. That's all. <laughs> yeah, not heard it in a long time, but I mean, that's the, like, a, for me, a, a super, super important record. Um, it just, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of, I've always been kind of leaned towards the jazzier side of hip hop stuff, but I think that's probably for me the first record where I heard it kind of really uh, referenced in a very direct sort of way. It's a lesson, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, like, the vocal version, obviously, is, like, a pretty direct lesson about specific artists and stuff. But, I mean, also just, that, I mean, the instrumental version we listen to is just kind of, like, open my eyes to this idea of, you know, like, DJs and producers with live musicians and all that sort of stuff. It's just, yeah, like, quite unique in its time and, uh, for me personally, like, a massive influence. I think, as we're saying also, off-air, off-air, <laughs> not even live. Keep saying that. Um, how much of this stuff crossed over into Acid Jazz? Acid Jazz was essentially a massive umbrella for the great and the good and it was great how you'd have something like I don't know something like James Taylor Quartet alongside Gangstar Jazz thing the two wouldn't really necessarily come into contact with each other but yeah under the Acid Jazz compilations or moniker they fit it seems a very natural thing and it was also a great organic scene and it's that's where I remember that track from it just yeah absolutely amazing and uh, we kicked off uh, that little segment as well so when you, it's very difficult to talk about Back to Life without saying it's an important record. It's in a seminal track. But I would easily put it, it in my top five records of all time, probably, I would say. Um, I mean, and for, for so many reasons. I mean, one, it's just, I mean, it's just a great British soul record. And secondly, I just, I loved everything that Soul to Soul were, were about as well at the time. And from a DJ's perspective, like one of the really influential things for me was a, a cassette I had of, of um, Marley Marl on, on WBLS in New York, uh, cutting up two copies of that record. And he did like really, um, first time I'd heard sort of quite inventive mixing, we was using the instrumental version and then cutting up the that that long acapella stuff from the from the album version and then eventually goes into the um the the club version that we heard and then plays the um the Danny Krivit funky drummer edit drums over that and it's like <laughs> I mean as someone like at that point in time just with no real idea of what DJing was about hearing someone do all that stuff and I mean I must listen to that tape like a million times and just try to work out what was going on and well, let's talk about that. I mean, it's very difficult to, to pigeonhole you. I, mean, I know you now as, as a mate, which is a great thing, but I was thinking about you coming on to this show and you, you are involved creatively in many different areas. So let's keep on the DJ team for a bit. When did you start DJing? When was like the first time you, or like touch of a Technics, bought of a record? What was that? I started buying records pretty young. I mean, like, I, was, I was always into music as a kid. I mean, just in the way that most kids are, I guess, you know, like taping songs that you like off the radio and all that sort of thing. You know? But um, I mean, I got, I guess when I, when I you know, went, went to senior school at the age of like, whatever you are, 11 or 12, that's when I sort of really got into music. And obviously you're around a lot of older kids all of a sudden and you get introduced to loads of different stuff. But I discovered hip hop really early on and I really fell in love with it and um, just wanted to know as much as I possibly could. And, and yeah, so I started buying records straight away about that kind of age. And then by the time I, had, I was like 15 or something, I had a, you know quite a lot of records and just wanted to be more involved and DJing seemed the obvious thing to do. 
bought some decks off a kid I was at school with, you know, that he, he sort of tried to get into it and didn't didn't really work out for him. One so. of them ones, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, it was just like an addictive thing to learn, and I, I you know, and obviously the, the kind of like the the aim and the exciting the excitement was in like eventually doing that in front of people, doing it in front of a crowd which I didn't really do until I was about 17 probably and even then I was like I didn't feel like I was ready even even with two or three years DJing at home under my belt I was like still not ready you know I was like I wanted, wanted to be perfect at it before I ever did it in front of people but, yeah. well that's that's fair I mean that to me sums you up you are meticulous in terms of your approach when I first saw you I think it was a Glastonbury I was like who is this guy because you're, you're fa- I think you're, you're known for your, the polish and the work that you put into your mixes shows in the products at the end of it. The super tight, super well produced, well thought out as well. It's not just like chucking these tunes together. I mean, you're, how do you approach mixes now? And if say, you know, when you're starting off, you do a lot of these celebratory deconstruction, reconstruction mixes. I mean, what is it that you, you throw into a mix? Uh, I guess I, I sort of look at making mixtapes a bit more like a production exercise than a DJing exercise, if I'm honest. So, I mean, the first thing I'm usually looking for, well, obviously, like, the music that goes on it is is, is the most important thing always. But with those sort of things, you're usually working from a predetermined pool of stuff. So you kind of, that bit's in a way already taken care of. From that point, it's more like I'm looking for the bits that are going to allow interesting segues. So I want to find that bit where it's just drums. I want to find that bit where it's just vocals. I want to find that bit where it's just a bit of the melody. And then from then, you start like planning a construction of those things or deconstruction, reconstruction, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, then just sort of work it from there. So, you know, it's not like just kind of trying to get rid of a DJ mix, really. Yeah. So when I look at some of the mixes you've done, Take the Tribes, I, I wouldn't say they're mixes. I'd almost say they're companion pieces to the album. It's the backstory. It's the full, vi- you know, view of that artist's work. I mean, how who came up with that idea? What was the first one you did? Yeah, that's that's the intention. The first one I did was for the far side um, with kind of at their well I say at their request not specifically them but that the someone who was working with their label friend of mine Alice uh, she was working with Delicious Final uh, and she it was her suggestion really it was like can we do something around this anniversary and I, I suggested a mixtape and, and we sort of ran with that but yeah like yeah that is sort of the intention I mean someone uh, someone described it online as a sort of like cliff notes to the album you know those sort of like like the extended line notes you know with all the extra bits in it uh so that's yeah i guess that is sort of the intention is that something you're gonna continue yeah i mean i've just done i think the 14th or 15th one of that series and i've already penciled in some some more um i mean and some of them now are starting to be kind of uh, endorsed or done at the request of the artists in some cases, which is, I mean, that's what, to continue it long term, that's where I'd like to be doing it really is, is like for the for or through the labels. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've never heard uh, Chris's mixes and you, and you want to know what it's about, I mean, his <laughs> consistently number one in the Mixcloud uh, chart says a lot. I think that's, but if you go on Mixcloud and, and follow Chris's mixes, and if you're a DJ and you're kind of wondering how much effort it is, I mean, I go around Chris's house and I see the pad and the pen where he's analysing you uh, analysing a mix I know you laugh but that is the famous notebook but that's it that's the level you're at you'll do a mix and it's like nah nah 
it's not right. Write it down. Why isn't it right? Do it again. Write it down. That shows in your output, mate. So, yeah. I mean, we've got to talk about the whole, you know, this is an all vinyl show and it's, it's great to see you bringing along, you know, essentially tunes that have uh, <laughs> sung to you over the years. But the, you're, would you say you're predominantly now known as a digital or vinyl DJ? And do you think that even has an impact into how you approach DJ? Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I do is has a sort of historical context. So I guess I'm kind of viewed as someone who's, who's like, you know, into records and the tradition of it. But I mean, the truth is that in terms of actually DJing in public, I, I, I rarely play vinyl. I mean, pretty much I've been, I was quite an early adopter of Serato and, and uh, and my preference, if I'm honest with you, is to is to use Serato because it opens up so many opportunities. It's you know from coming from like a hip hop background as a DJ, it's like always had to buy two copies of every record, and then you know with Serato you've essentially got or by by default two copies of anything you want to play. Um, and then also playing a lot of music that wasn't produced with DJing in mind. I mean, hip hop or house or whatever is one thing. Most of those records were made at the very least with sort of DJing as a as a sort of uh, context point in some way but I mean like funk and soul records weren't made with that in, in, intention and some of them are quite difficult to DJ with creatively by by virtue of that but Serato makes that stuff a lot easier in that you've or makes more options available let's say in that you can throw a loop mark around a drum break and then it becomes more rigid than it would do if it was a live drums or whatever so I, I do fall back on those features quite a lot and they become quite an integral part of the way I DJ so I find it actually quite difficult to DJ without them because I don't feel like I can be quite as creative. Good. I like grilling you. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, uh, I saw Chris uh, DJing records, which was uh, a great thing because uh, int- he's got an amazing record collection anyway. And we went to a bar called Spiritland. And if you've never been to Spiritland, it's audiophile heaven uh, in King's Cross. Bespoke speakers, bespoke mixer, everything about it screams quality. And then it's just, it's just the sound system is absolutely amazing. And the next record we were playing, uh, we were talking about this. So I'm not even going to introduce it. We'll talk about it later on.
girlfriends be saying, yo, watch your image. Cause girls be giving it up from the start like the line of scrimmage. Every girl I met wants to sweat cause I got a rep. As an entertainer, they think they're gonna gain a position in the spotlight. But yo, to me, that's not right. When a girl gives me that look, it's like looking down a loaded barrel. Sometimes it's hard to see if she really wants me or if the girl is shallow. But you really never know. That's why the head was clever, yo. Cause I'ma never let her hope, baby, for my joke. So I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta do what I gotta do. Never in your life, or even if you really wanted to be close to me, the head OG will always stay ahead of these soft. Swearing that they're scaring somebody, suckers. Move my way and you'll be murdered, motherfucker. I'm not with that gang shit, I don't wanna get killed. So I tune in with a mind, cause it's time to pay the bills, but still. Suckers wanna be all on my dick and shit. Mad, not glad, cause I be kicking shit. But it's cool to me, Cruz, Glenn, and Terry. But if you make the wrong move, you'll get buried in the berry. It's important and necessary when I know Cruz, Glenn, and Terry. Throw a flurry, make your flurry, and then your boy can start to worry. Well, damn, they never did shit to us. So stop being jealous before some ass can fall. You know what I'm saying? Gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta do what I gotta do. Hey yo, I'm not a hood, but you'll see me in a hoodie. Post that I was a punk because I said I was a hoodie. Two shoes, who was in the right shoes? I got a DJ named Cruz, hey yo, but here's the news. I say you'll never endeavor unless you're clever and better and weather or whenever you got it together, whatever you'll get severed. Cause I don't play, you got beef I got the bulldogs right away So don't ever try to get with me Or pop a little lip to me A girl, he wants to sit with me So punk don't say shit to me Cause I'm not a genesis But suckers will envy this The bulldogs are menaces The punks in our businesses It's very too late For the hate that is really fake Knowing you got to have it When you already got my date Cause I am the energy Roxbury's the way But I'm somebody Always got something to say And I'ma do what I gotta do I'm a radar sprayer, played your chunk cause you made a wrong move We do whack groove, but we prove to lead Rock with speed and succeed indeed But not for greed, but to bleed you Silly stupid a sucker saps, and you're startled You should be stupid a sucking soup in sorrow While I kick off, get my shit off, then I rip off your head I won't slip off, but pick off Instead, I lead and red in your flag Cause you're soft like bread, boy, and thin like thread Yo, witness how I kick this, click this, and restrict this And flick this while you kick this, I'm doing it with the quickness They claiming to make a profit, you lost it, get off it My jam will slam while yours is a Soft hit. All of the people want to be equal, but they can't pursue it. Come into the Z like me, the East, and why they trying to do it? They never learned this is my turn, cause that is how I'm soloing. And check effects are like that's when the dogs are rolling. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'ma do what I gotta do. And I'ma do what I gotta do.
communication that a big record for you yeah um well yeah all the beastie boys stuff from that era really um more so check your head to be honest with you i mean i i, I like your communication but check your head was the one for me um I mean, it's just like it was such a um an awesome record in terms of the way it brought together a bunch of different stuff that I was into. I've had this conversation with so many people before, but... You were a skate kid, right? Yeah, I was a skate kid. And so, like, I mean, at that time, a lot of the music on skate videos and that the older skaters were into was kind of like American indie rock, all that kind of like Scar type stuff, like um, Operation Ivy and all those kind of bands. Fugazi? Yeah, a little bit of that sort of stuff. I guess people were into like Black Flag and some of that kind of harder stuff as well. Um, but... The younger, well, at the time, younger generation skaters, like my generation skaters, were mostly like into hip hop and stuff. And it was a bit of a kind of weird, there wasn't anything that kind of brought it all together. But then the Beastie Boys, it, like, I mean, obviously they've been around for a while already, but it appeared with um, Shake Your Head. And it was kind of, it was hip hop, but it was also, you know, they had that kind of punk heritage and it had instrumental stuff. And because it was an album that so many people into, it just got listened to. I mean, it's like the album of, of like all the, the one, all, right? all the summers, of all my teenage summers, basically, was that album because like the rock kids were, would, would happily listen to it. The hip hop kids would happily listen to it. The like artsy kids who are into the doors and all that sort of stuff, they would listen to it. And it was like, it was the one that everyone yeah. was happy. It was the choice that everyone was happy with if you're at, like a party or in a car or whatever it was. It's so. amazing how the Beastie Boys started off uh, with the right to offend and essentially unitize people towards the end of their career. They are such a an everyman band, and I don't say that in a negative way. They really do bring all aspects of life together under one roof for hip hop. You know, it's yeah, and like an identity thing as well. I think like there was a lot of um, you, you know, like that you know, you're like 14 or whatever. You're kind of you're still sort of trying to work out what you're into, and like sometimes you're into lots of different stuff that doesn't really mesh together very well. And then this band came along, and they were like, "We're into everything. We're into like, yeah. and that's all right. We're into skateboarding, and we're into rap, and we're into rock, and we're and like and the suddenly you had this like people you could look up to that were like into all the same stuff that you were yeah and it was and it just you know it was like a light coming it made on. things easier didn't yeah, it yeah it was, it was, I mean they were incredible so what was it where did you grow up I grew up in uh, Hartford which is just outside North London well you know like kind of commuter town on the outskirts of, of London really I suppose right um, so you know it's like it's a fairly quiet suburban town for the most part but it's also like 20 minutes from central London on the train so um, it's kind of it's, you know it's pretty good in that, in that you could you could you could easily be exposed to all the things that are going on in London you could easily get to record shops and, I mean, and we had good record shops in the town as well yeah so there was well I say I mean there was a couple I mean it's a small town and it had two record shops one of them was like your kind of standard uh, like everybody record shop you know which sold everything from classical CDs to like, new pop stuff <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah um, and they bought in like a modest amount of hip hop but it was great for me because it wasn't any people buying it and they had a kind of this this kind of markdown policy where like if something hadn't sold by the end of the two weeks after they that ordered it in they'd mark it down and if it went four weeks it all went in this bargain bin in front of the shop so I went to that shop every day after school like for my entire of my teenage years to see if there's any hip hop in the 50p bin and like I bought so many records from there Wicked, man. Um, but in the other record shop was I remember maybe we'll talk about this later but was run by um, Rob from Omnitrio and it was out of there that a lot Blackford. of it, uh, no Rob Haig is it I think right. the other Rob from Moving Shadow um, 
Yeah, so he had a record shop called Parliament Music, which was also a label that did a lot of like early rave stuff. Right. And they sold exclusively, well, in the early days, rave and hardcore, and in the later years, jungle and drum and bass. And it was a bit of a hub for a lot of the um, Too Bad Mice were in there all the time. Um, I mean, they all went to schools around where I lived, um, you know, and also like Fotec was down the road and all that sort of stuff. So that scene was another thing altogether, but... You're gonna have to pass the draw for a minute. Hang on, my, this is getting full up. I mean, Chris knows me well enough to know that that's that's my heritage right there, Raven and Jungle. That's a big. Let's let's hold off that one. That's that's a big conversation. We'll play some stuff about that later. Yeah, mate. Yeah. So just quickly, parents' record collection. What was it like? Um, mixed bag. My mum was into um, quite a lot of different stuff, but mostly stuff at the more popular end of the spectrum. But the good stuff that I nabbed from her was um, kind of like Motown and kind of popular soul stuff like Isaac Hayes and that sort of stuff. You know, like a lot of like compilations and stuff like that. But I mean, I discovered breaks from like, you know, Telstar soul compilations and stuff like that, which I printed from my mum. 30, 30 sides on the track, yeah? Yeah, 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 those ones. <laughs> but like, it's great, you know, like suddenly it's like stuff that you recognise having been sampled by like NWA and CPO, like, you know, all those like classic Isaac Hayes breaks and... Um, Your mum's American, right? Main ingredient. Yeah, she was born in America, yeah. Did she buy, you may not know the answers, but did she buy tunes in America over here or she buy... Uh, well, she moved to the UK when she was in her early teens, so um, I think most of her record right. buying would have been done over here rather than over there. But um, yeah, yeah, so like kind of popular soul stuff. And then my dad was um, into like all sorts, really. I mean, he was pretty into classical, um, um, but he was also really into jazz as well. Um, so I kind of picked up quite a lot from that. In fact, I can remember really clearly playing him that Gangstar record when it came out, the jazz thing record. And I was like, Dad, look, this is because he was... I think probably at that point in time just was not really interested in me being interested in hip-hop particularly and and like playing them that that I remember quite clearly playing him that Gangstar record and be like look this is like a, a hip-hop record that talks all about jazz musicians and he's like oh, yeah. kind of you know you can see the connection but anyway so yeah jazz but then also like I mean they both had some quite middle-of-the-road stuff as well there was kind of just popular rock records and that sort of stuff in their collections as well so yeah. I, like, look, I love looking through someone else's collection it's such a story about what they're in I mean that's the first thing I did when I came around your house is look for your records but it, it really sums up a person doesn't it book, yeah book collection record collection Amazing. I love it and I think they're probably probably uh, I mean they're, they're just as into music now as they were when I was a kid my dad in particular has like got a, a lot of jazz records now that many more many more than he did when I was a kid and my mum is an avid listener of uh, Jazz FM as well, um, or whatever the current equivalent is, I forget the, after the name change. But um, she'll quite often like send me a text like, oh, I just heard Gregory Porter or like, you know. Um, so, I mean, and they love coming to gigs as well. I mean, just, just a couple of weeks ago, they, they were, <laughs> I was out of town and they were in, they were in town watching, seeing, seeing Courtney Pine and Omar. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it's cool. So it's something we can kind of share. It's good. I like that. It's an important thing, man. Absolutely. So, uh, where are we going to go next, man? What have we got? Um, yeah, another, I mean, we're kind of sticking with pretty early stuff, but this was a record by a group called Outlaw Posse. Um, and it's among the sort of early British hip hop records that I bought. I think this came out sort of, I don't know, maybe 1990 or something. But um, yeah, it's, I, I listened to it for the first time the other day in ages after having a conversation with about it with a mate. And um, part of it's produced by CJ McIntosh. And the, like for the time it was released, the production is amazing. But anyway, it, this is the record. Oh. 
never had a weapon, me bell beat A dark complexion, a band of laws Because I'm able, I might take nicks and cables on the table For me to teach the weak I reach The way I walk, my rhythm and speech Surpass the class, collect respect To know yourself is to keep in check Setting it straight, here's my rival outlaws in a house Wanna patch us a problem
yours by right, then fight for it or shut up. Shake their thing at the same time But can't rhyme They probably think that as long as they're getting paid They can sleep in the shade But they'll fall like a cascade While I drop skills over drum fills They'll try to pick up some And still sound slump Cause they didn't learn the fundamentals in this And I insist that they get dissed For fraud Their weak rap tunes keep me bored Sore due to the type of bullshit they record Hey, and I make them concentrate on the songs I create And kids can't wait to get their fork, knife, and plate So they can chew what I serve with the nerve To call themselves real, but I know the deal So I just place all their cars on the trap Tell them to cut the crap Now let's rap See, I guess the way Let's go seven rounds and put down your imaginary crown. We'll take it to the streets with multiple beats. Get as loose as you want. Flaunt, no beeps. This time when you rhyme, it won't be for a rock show. It'll be on the block so we can work like strainers or filters and find the raw remainders and the best builders. Cause so many MCs get starstruck, get off stage and find out that they're washed up. Cause some new jack took them out, but they were sleeping, so what's the surprise look about? It ain't hard to tell that you wreck yourself because your mom's smelling. People scared of a brother that drops a bombshell. So the show and prove the fact it's important that you come and show your tactics ASAP. Let's rap. Professor K cutting search scratch, kicking it to kids that can't latch on to the meaning of a real rap song. Just producing corn, I like to born. We built it up this far without selling out and still get clout. So you continue to sell and be a sap. And when you're ready to snap back, I'll tell you, let's rap. last second of that track and this is I'm gonna have to confess something and I've just told you of it I don't know any main source 
Tell me, that was, what was that? Uh, it was, um, shall I try and pronounce it in this with a Spanish accent? Vamos a rapia. Nice. Uh, which means go and rap or something like that, I think. I don't know, someone who actually speaks a language will probably tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to stop there about trying to guess what it means. I'd imagine. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're talking off air. Uh, I, the track before that was uh, Repeat After Me by The Three Sounds. I first heard that on the Blue Breaks and then Chris pulled out Main Source and was like, well, we might as well follow it with this. And I was like, hey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I assumed that anyone that knew the Three Sounds track knew it because they discovered it through um, Main Source, which is generally the way that I've discovered that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, that uh, Main Source album obviously like a massive classic kind of, um, and just been reissued really recently actually by uh, uh, Vinyl Me Please. Um, but yeah, like a, a really sought after kind of early '90s hip hop album that's pretty much flawless from beginning to end and. For me, uh, memories of uh, Westwood on Capitol. Uh, so after, sort of after his pirate days and before Radio One, when he did the Capitol rap show, um, there was a period when he was like, you know, playing a lot of that sort of stuff, and uh, which I at the time got very, very excited about, and um, he used to listen to it and record it religiously, and that's how I, you know, got into a lot of that sort of hip hop records from that time. It's weird that I mean, with Westwood, uh, it's almost before he became a cliche. I guess he's always had the character, but before he was so associated with uh, that American really hard-edged style, you know, he, he was playing a lot of funky... Well, no, I don't know. I mean, his, his, his persona was quite different back then. He had this very sort of, like, mellow, kind of, like... You know, this, this is the night session kind of like vibe to the really, yeah, yeah. It, like he's, he wasn't all like shouting and explosions in those days for sure. It was like he had you <laughs> I know need an explosion. He had like. all these sort of catchphrases like you know like distress in the session and stuff like this that he used to cut. Kind of, and it was just I don't know. He, he played. I mean, he, he one thing he did have was like upfront versions of a lot of American records that were really hard to get over it. Um, partly because of his connection with Marley Marl and WBLS and all that stuff. So, I mean, he would have like early, early versions of like Cold Chillin and, and and Wild Pitch releases and stuff like that. That you know, I remember like I remember listening to the show and writing down on a notepad all the songs I could catch the titles of, and then taking it to a record shop and then just looking at me like, I've never heard of any of these records. What are you talking about? You know, I assumed that. In my naivety at the time, I assumed that these records that you were playing were records that you could buy in a shop, but like a lot of them weren't, or, or at least not at the time. You know, wait three three months or six months till they were available. Till the imports came in. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean that was like a real journey of discovery for me into that like that music, and you know, like obscure stuff, stuff that became quite collectible. You know, Divine Force, and you know. Um, Oh, it's like that. I don't know. There's a whole load of people. But, um. <laughs> well, we're talking back. To, I mean, it's weird, like, especially when you're as old as, <clears throat> as we are. Uh, records that you bought at the time that are now worth silly money simply because of the rarity or the fact that they've gone out of print. I mean, a lot of the times we have these conversations, especially me and you, about like uh, you you own a record and to you it's it's linked to memories and it's just regardless of the money aspect of it contain is of no relevance whatsoever. So you never ever think of it like that. But when you hear, oh yeah, that record's worth that's worth a hundred quid. You suddenly like, hey. It's it, and that one especially, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, I say it's just been it's just been reissued, like a sort of um, 
uh, deluxe edition sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think I'm right in saying that they've changed hands on Discord for a couple hundred quid. Um, but I mean, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I do own some valuable records and, and I own a lot of records that are, that are definitely not. But I've never really been one for spending massive money on records. If I'm, you know, on an individual record, I mean. Um, do you still buy Mel? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've, I've, I, well, I recently. I don't know how interesting this is. Probably not very. We're going to It's fine. <laughs> People will never hear this. <laughs> but I know. I recently went, did the exercise of going through my record collection and, on, you know, and cataloging on Discogs and sit, just to sort of see what I had really. And um, was surprised to find that there's I mean, some like crazy expensive records in there that I didn't really know. Quite often, stuff that I'm not particularly attached to. Um, and uh, and also there's on the flip side of it some records that I you know I remember paying sort of quite a bit for that are subsequently not really worth very much so I guess it goes both ways but um, uh, what's the point yeah so the point being in doing that it sort of unearthed loads of records that I really want to have so I've been on a bit of a yeah lately last really? couple of months I've been buying a lot of records um, Does but it feel- my, my aim is to like get rid of a lot of stuff that I don't need and buy some buy more stuff that I know that I'll sort of treasure and then um, you know. There are only so many hip hop twelves you need, Chris. Well, that's the but thing. You're a completist, right? You need. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not like a format snob. Like, I, I, I can enjoy music whether it's digital or physical or whatever. But I do get a kind of like bit. If I'm being totally honest with myself, like I do get a bit of a kind of. Um, excitement around buying in particular records that I just didn't have the money to buy at the time um, which largely is like 90s hip hop records records that I would have loved to have owned as a kid and just didn't have the money to buy and now you know disposable income man yeah you sell a few records that are worth a bit of money or you know like you spend some spare money on just on just, on just having those things just and it's it's pure nostalgia I don't need them really a purely like nostalgic thing but it's a collector though isn't it I mean that's the thing when you buy records everyone has their little areas that they like to own or have ownership over or have a, do you know what I mean everyone yeah. buys records for different reasons but I think there is in, in all of us that collector that needs to have the completeness of a series or a label yeah. or an artist and even if you don't like some of the tracks the fact that you haven't got one or two it, it irks me yeah um yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I, I think I, I even brought one record along um, just as a, to demonstrate that. Like, I bought a lot of... Tw- what, I really, what I really like is the, like, late 80s, early 90s picture sleeve rap 12s. Because I like that something... I, I like, you know, there's, like, a, in a lot of cases, a slight sort of naivety to the artwork and the graphic design style to them. And they're just, they're just something, you know, they kind of really evoke an era. But there's a lot of stuff that I've bought where... I already own the album and every track on the 12 is also on the album. Like, you don't need... It's a record that you absolutely don't need, but I want to have it because I want to have the album and the complete set of singles that go with it. Why would you not accept it? Because that's a thing that I just like the idea of. Well, I mean, that's... I think that comes down to a lot with you. You are, I I say in many ways, that you're kind of like a curator or you like cataloguing. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about quickly is... uh, Well, it's true, man. I mean, in many ways... Slash oddball. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great hanging out with you because it's great and it's bad. And, and I'll tell you why it's bad because you know the answers to the questions that I will blag information for. So I'll be talking about, I'll be like, yeah, this was, and you'll be like, actually, no, I'll find you weren't. It was released.
released in 1990. Anyway, the, the one I get to is um, you work, uh, you're involved in Who Sampled. So uh, yeah. talk to us about how you got involved in that. Uh, my first uh, connection with them actually was that they booked me to DJ at one of their birthday parties. I think it was the third anniversary of the site. Um, and I'd, I'd never met the guys before, um, but I think the lineup that night was me and Mark Ray, and they did an interview with the Mohawks at the night. So it was like it's quite a cool night. And the guys from the Mohawks there talking about library music and um, and being sampled and all that stuff. And uh, and then we did DJ sets, you know, playing like originals and sampled records and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah that's going back a little while now and then um a year or so later i was um just coming out of the back of uh, i won't get into the detail of that but a project that didn't really come together and i was looking for um uh, something new and uh, there was a job going so uh, and it turned out by complete fluke that the their office was uh, a little loft office about 100 meters from my front door so uh, really? yeah so uh, I popped, uh, you know, got in touch with them, popped around for an interview and had a chat and uh, ended up working for them. And then um, that role just sort of expanded and now I'm head of content for them and do a lot of like side projects. Like, um, well, I run their editorial and the sort of magazine side of the site as well as some of the, the uh, day-to-day content stuff. And then uh, also do a lot of the kind of standalone project work. Like um, we do a producer competition and, um, we're working with um, labels on a, on a few new things as well. So, um, yeah, so I get to kind of do all the, some of the like interesting side projects and stuff that they're involved in and, uh, you know, events and, and that sort of stuff. So, yes, yeah, yeah, it's a fun job. It's great for you, man. I mean, I think your, your need for accuracy, certainly. I mean, <laughs> what more, what better way can you have than to have a website with a database repository of artists, samples, usages, references? I mean, that's why... Yeah, I mean, database makes it sound a bit dry and hopefully it's not. But, I mean, yeah, it's all about just like finding interesting kind of interactive ways of discovering new music, basically. It's the way... Um, the way you link it together to me is it's it's i find it fascinating going and, and you discover you're one click away to the next click to the next click and suddenly you're like it's you know it's mind uh, opening and it's uh well it's like number one site isn't it on a number one app it's uh, well it's uh, it's regularly in in the uh music apps chart um with and we've been uh apple Cho- you know editor's choice times and uh, yeah the apps won a few awards and uh, been in quite a lot of like broadsheet newspaper you know kind of must-have apps lists and that sort of stuff so yeah apps really popular and the website website is super popular at the moment as well but you enjoyed that right i mean that's that's a yeah i mean it's cool i mean it gets listened to music you know listen to, to and discover interesting music all the time um i mean the part of the job that i'm most passionate about really is kind of um things like the the sample fund project where you know we get a catalog to like release a lot of their material to some producers to make really cool stuff out of and um, off the back of the last one in fact I discovered two producers who I thought were really awesome and then they did the remixes on my last single so I mean that's the sort of thing I really like is when something evolves into something new and also um, Ollie from Herbalizer we were talking about earlier they uh, were involved in the last one of those releases and then they went on to do an entire album um, with the same catalogue um, when I did the liner notes for them and stuff so Ooh. just being involved in that it's like you know it's great it's just like facilitating new music getting out there it's like the you know the most rewarding bit I would say that's why it's hard to pin you down I think because you just 
as long as I've known you, I think anything that gives you a creative interest, you're up for. And wherever that takes you, you apply a little bit of who you are to it. But it just stretches into production, into DJing, into journalism, you know, into anything that you can put an input into, right? I mean, how, how, how would you sum you up? I'm just really restless. <laughs> I just, I just hate not doing stuff. Um, but I, yeah, so like, I mean, Nick obviously is a friend of our, both of ours as well. You know, me and him do a lot of projects together, and we did the, like classic material, which is a kind of, what well, is a website and a and a club night and an exhibition and all sorts of other stuff. But I mean, yeah, I and mean, we just we've done so many things that were like, you know, just for the just to have a just to have a fun project to do like you know we opened a pop-up shop and did a launched a t-shirt brand and you know just I don't why know. not <laughs> why, yeah exactly why not <laughs> see without a ReSenders and you think <laughs> yeah I mean I yeah I definitely couldn't make it for a whole episode of ReSenders without checking my email so, so. right um, <laughs> listen Livey Music ties it in nicely uh, the next artist we're going to play is Brian Bennett and um, the track uh, in question is a Solstice but also is known as something else. So, Chris Reed, uh, knowledge of all things, give us a quick uh, Brian Bennett. Uh, yeah, so, well, um, I'm not sure how detailed a history I can give, but I mean, he has recorded a, a lot of library music for the, a lot of the big boys, KPM and Bruton in particular. Um, and actually, this track we used was this was the, the bed music to the trailer for the last sample thon the video we did for the last uh, sample thon because we used the Bruton catalogue and this was one of the tracks that was available um, and I can't remember the title of the because it's, it's on the Voyage album it's got one title and on the Bruton Fan- Fantasia is it Fantasia I think on Bruton that's yeah. the name of the album but I don't know the name of the track yeah so it's almost it's, there is a subtle difference it's not quite the same track <sighs> But I couldn't tell you what the difference is. But um, anyway, the the alternate version is on a Bruton uh, Library album. Uh, forgive me for not remembering the title. But anyway, here it That's is. That's it. There you go. <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs>
Doris uh, from Sweden, a track called You Never Come Closer. Again, it's on uh, 
Thank Giles for that. It's on one of his uh, 90s essential mixes. And then before that, uh, Chris pulled out... Um, it's always interesting when uh, someone pulls out a record that you love, that you own, and it's just, uh, yeah, the Heads compilation and uh, DJ Crush. What's the track? Kemurai. Oh. From uh, Heads 2, I think it was. Um. Again, we, we were trying to work out how you would sum up Crush as an artist. Uh, we, unfortunately, he falls quite wrongly under that whole <coughs> umbrella, but it's just really introspective, dark hip-hop. Interesting he did some, beats, good, he did some good straight hip-hop records as well, though. He did a, did a record with CL Smooth and did a record with Big Shug and... Uh, he remixed one of the Pete Rock and CL Smooth things. Right. Um, he's done some good, some really solid, just straight up hip hop. But I mean, yeah, like the sort of darker, weirder instrumental stuff is kind of, you know, I, I guess kind of lumped into that whole trip hop thing, which is. You I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, well, I mean, it's unfortunate because it sort of it was used umbrella for a lot of stuff that didn't really fit terribly well, and then it sort of became kind of viewed as naff even though the music itself mostly was really good um, yeah but anyway yeah it was a point in time and I was at the time when that stuff you know when trip hop was considered a popular genre I was super into my wax super into ninja um, any kind of left field beatsy instrumental stuff yeah all, was all over it just strong strong labels we were talking before about how the ninja certain labels have uh, stood the test of time although they reflect the year that they were written in you know when you look at the back catalogue of ninja and mo wax the artists and the tunes that are featured on there are absolutely seminal crush uh, especially links us back early we didn't talk about it um love i never had it so good i think we played about an hour ago so if you're still with us great <laughs> ronnie jordan uh produced by dj crush the jackal wow i mean that's an album that just was an absolute killer that i, I mean that's definitely not a trip-hop record by any stretch i mean that's an awesome what is record. that I, yeah it's like it was sort of i don't know i mean jazz funk or acid jazz maybe with with beats basically but i mean it was yeah really good i was hoping you were gonna play the jackal actually because that's the track for me but um <laughs> Yeah, dope records. Absolutely. Um, we're coming into the last uh, couple of bits uh, coming up. And one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, which we've got to talk about. Oh, quickly, man. Um, let's do some plugging. You've got some plugging to do. Uh, what, records, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Because um, you're, what, I mean, obviously we talked about what you've been doing, but one thing we haven't really discussed much is your role as a producer or the, the things that you've had done. So what have you got uh, on at the moment? What's going on? Uh, most recently, I've just released uh, an album with a rapper from Chicago called Pugs Atoms, um, who people might know, well, I mean, he's done loads of stuff, uh, but people might know more recently uh, for his work with uh, DJ Vadim on the uh, Electric album. Um, but yeah, we've done a whole album together, which is kind of, um, it's hip hop, but it's quite rooted in jazz, quite rooted in soul. It's got quite a lot of guest vocalists on it from the UK and from the US, uh, mostly Chicago, but also Philadelphia. Uh, and um, yeah, it's called Colors of the World. And um, we recorded it partly in London and partly in Chicago. And it came out about a month ago. And there's two singles from the album. Um, first one is, um, well, three actually. There's a seven inch single called Baby Don't Go. Uh, and then there's a digital EP. Um, and uh, second digital EP as well, uh, with the most recent one called Drumroll. Um, so, and the first one called Chocolate Milk. So uh, yeah, they're all out now on uh, you know, usual places, uh, Spotify, iTunes. 
Apple Music and, and so on and so on and so on. That's on BBE, right? That's on BBE Records, yeah. So, you, I mean, is that your your home for output? Yeah, uh, I mean, the first stuff I did was, um, well, it depends how far back you want to go. The very first stuff I did was with a label Different Drummer. Uh, but more recently, I was with um, Breaking Bread for a few years, and that sort of overlapped with stuff I did for BBE, so I did some compilations for them first before doing any production stuff. So for a while I was doing like uh, artist stuff for Breaking Bread and uh, compilations for BBE and then um, now I pretty much do everything with BBE. Nice home, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a family, you know, like uh, Lee and Pete are both, who run the label are both people I consider friends and um, a lot of people that are also kind of in my wider group of friends are associated with the label in some way. So in fact, Mr. Thing and I have just done a compilation together, which is coming out later this year. What's that um, about then? It's, uh, it's a library compilation, actually. Um, so, uh, to be totally honest about it, it's largely uh, Mark's expertise and my sort of connections with the labels that's kind of brought it together. Uh, and But it's both of our choices and taste, if you like. Um, but, I mean, Mark's really, uh, I have to hand it to him as the collector of that stuff. And I've been able to sort of facilitate the uh, connections with the labels. Uh, and we've both chosen our favourite music from the catalogues we, we had access to. So, um, yeah, it's like a live music comp. Have you seen his uh, record collection? Uh, I've, seen, I've, never been, I've never actually visited the, uh, the vault. <laughs> That's what it I is. Mean, right? but, I mean, his record collection puts mine to shame. I mean, you know, I, he's probably got, I don't know, five times the records I've got. Um, and um, yeah. I mean, I've never met anyone with such a like unwavering passion for buying records basically but yeah energy isn't it yeah so um we touched on earlier uh the shop in uh, where you grew up we got to come back to because there's a um, drum bass rave hardcore massive part of my life uh, part of my record collection as well so did you have an early exposure to how much how sort of much attention did you pay to the to the rave scene or to the hardcore scene um, I was around it quite a lot, but it wasn't really what I was into at the time, if I'm honest with you. I mean, there was a bit of crossover and stuff that I liked, but I mean, so outskirts of London at the time, there was a lot of pirate radio, so the pirate radio station nearby called uh, Mad FM. We're talking about early hardcore days now. Early 90s, right? Yeah. Um, and um, even coming into London to go, to, you know, you went to places like Mash on Oxford Street, and there was loads like DJs in the basement playing that sort of music, and it was like it was around, and like loads of loads of kids at school would trade tapes, their tapes off, you know, tape packs and tapes off pirate radio and all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of around it quite a lot, but I mean, I was just really, really into hip hop at that point, and and it was an amazing time for hip hop as well. I mean, like, what wasn't it an amazing time for? I mean, the, well, I mean, everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I suppose acid jazz was kind of current at the time. Some of the stuff we played earlier was from around that period. Uh, hip-hop in particular was in a real, like, transitional phase, though, between that sort of, like, late 80s James Brown sort of style stuff and then what became sort of settled down as the more sort of jazzy, producer-driven sort of style of the mid-90s. And in that, in that intervening period, there was all this, like, just like really fast pace of change and there was new music coming out all the time and I was just so engrossed in that that I wasn't really paying loads of attention to the rave stuff really although I mean I recognize you know loads of those records were sampling ultramanetic MCs and speeding it up and they were sampling you know like in some cases reggae tunes but 
a lot of the samples in the rave stuff were stuff I knew from hip hop. So mm. I kind of, like, I mean, I kind of had an eye on it, but I wasn't like really collecting it or massively into it. Proper cross genre pollination type stuff, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So. But I did get into it later. So I was going to say, so how did that happen? At what point did you start touching on drum and bass or jungle? Where did your in come I from? I didn't really get into it until like 95, 96 probably. Be- and because of of jazz really more than anything else, because then like I started hearing music by like Bookham and Peche and stuff like that. And it was like, at that point in time, what I was really into was like the early, well, like for want of a better word, trip hop stuff. And and hip hop that was really like tightly connected to jazz, and then all of a sudden this like style drum and bass came along, and they're like, oh, they're sampling the same sort of jazz records that the hip hop records that I like are sampling. You know, like you got like Adam F sampling uh, Bob James Westchester Lady and stuff like that, and that was a break that I already knew from oh, really? hip hop yeah. stuff. Right. So I was like, oh man, it's like, I, suddenly drum and bass became interesting because like, oh, they're like doing, they're doing it, but with jazz, and that's the thing that I like. It's so, logical follow on. So it? I got into it then, which is weird because I, you know, like that record shop we we're talking about, I would be in there all the time, and there's like all these guys like Omni Trio, and um, there was a guy called Paul Rose who was a DJ there who did like some a lot of the Moving Shadow mix albums and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and um, you know, like Goldie would phone up, you know, and stuff like while you're in the shop, and I did really know or if I'm honest with you particularly pay much attention to who these people were I just sort of I knew they were doing that, that thing there, yeah. and I was in there looking for hip hop records mostly and then I'd have to queue up at the counter while everyone was like trying to buy I remember like just almost being like getting people rolling their eyes at me because it's like there's three guys in front of me you know it's like you know sort of record shops like everyone's at the oh, counter you got trying to get yeah. stuff to listen to and they were like skipping through these like you know early jungle records like yeah that one and I turn up at the counter with like a Lakeem Shabazz album and like can I listen to a bit of this and just look at me like what all all 18 tracks you know it's like well maybe just one or two then and then everyone would sort of stand there with their arms crossed while I had to listen to like five minutes of hip hop and then they'd go back to like listening to the new records you got to fight there used to be a shop in Reading called um, Record Basement again seminal label seminal shop and I remember we used to go in there the day that Adam F Circles came out promos came in and we knew the guys behind the counter and it was deep at the counter and say there were only five promos that come in the box would get opened and you pull them out and be like right and you'd have all these guys at the front be like me me <laughs> and Mark behind the counter pulled it up and he reached over too deep to pass it to me <laughs> I've never that feeling Mark C if you're listening mate thanks man that was just a defining moment in life oh man but man as a, as a kid going into those sort of record shops like it, and the atmosphere was electric but so intimidating I mean not so much there because we are talking about a provincial record shop and it was pretty casual but like in places like Black Market or even Unity or any of those shops in the West End at the time, it was like, I mean, I remember, I mean, that's, I remember going to like the basement in Unity or Catch a Groove and stuff, and there's like all the work, a groove, yeah. all the working DJs who would play at like Iceni and all these sort of clubs would be in there just like buying. Like they'd buy 30 or 40 mm. records that came out that week and you'd have like a tenner to spend, you know, like and you're trying to choose really carefully what was the one record Man, you're gonna so buy. You know, it's like you see a name written on there and you'd go up to the counter, have you what do you <laughs> now listen to that one? And even if you didn't like it, the pressure on you to buy it, you'd be like, John that and you'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> oh man but then you learn you fight your corner you learn how to be in and sometimes just being in a record shop is enough 
Yeah, that was the learning ground, man. I mean, like, I mean, I'm talking. I mean, I'm, I'm at age at this point when I hadn't even really been in clubs yet. But like, just standing at the counter, listening to a guy who was playing in a club last night, talking to the guy the other side of the counter about the records that worked, the records that didn't work, listening to records and like watching what he chose and all that sort of stuff really helped. It was like an education. It was like how you formed your kind of. Uh, I don't know, your taste, I guess, almost in a way, you know, like watching the reactions of people in those scenarios is, is a different thing altogether. Than... I hate to say this, uh, we talk about the resurgence of vinyls, you like to say vinyls, vinyls is back and vinyls is big. <laughs> don't pin that one on me, I mean, <laughs> Chris Reed, 2017. But the, the point is that a lot of that has gone and, and it makes us sound like old men, which I guess we're coming are, and it makes us sound quite nostalgic, which I guess we are being, and that's no bad thing, but that feeling of, of being in a record shop and seeing, hearing tunes for the first time, seeing tunes on the racks, you know, that's kind of gone. A lot of, so much digital has meant the, it's The great. social aspect yeah. of record buying has gone. But I mean, it's been replaced with lots of other stuff. I mean, it's never been easier to find new music in a way. I mean, well, Arguably, there's too much noise. It's there's too much choice, but it's you know, like it's never. Well, how do you get new music now? If you if you're discovering, do, does it get sent to you, or do you find it, or how's that uh, bit of, I mean, all sorts of things, really. I mean, obviously, I'm on a lot of promo lists. So I get sent a lot of uh, sent a lot of new music every week, and I struggle to listen to it all, um, which is a problem actually. I mean, I, another another thing with vinyl, you know, we used to get sent promos in the post. You'd take it out of the envelope and you'd put it on the turntable straight away and you'd make a judgment on it on the spot. I mean, now when you're kind of inbox flooded with emails full of records you're supposed to listen to, it's sometimes hard to kind of muster the enthusiasm to go through them all because there might be some good stuff in there, but you know, it might equally not be. Um, so there's a bit of that. Um, and you know, and, and in terms of old music, I discover stuff all the time at work, you know, like. What a place to be in, man. You, you're in a hub for. Yeah, I mean, I'm always getting put onto like new jazz records or, you know, whatever it might be that I didn't know about. Um, so, you know, so there's definitely that. Um, and then other than that, it's just the usual things. You know, you hear stuff when you're out or you hear stuff on... I mean, I don't listen to much radio anymore. That's one thing I will say. I used to discover a lot of music through, through radio and I don't really listen to radio anymore. Um, but I do occasionally check in on, on stuff like, I don't know, maybe like Leftos Show or something like that and he'll play something. I'm like, oh, wow, I've got to get that, you know, yeah. make a note. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly podcasts uh, e, or uh, mixes or anything like that. I mean, that's the whole point of this thing uh, is just to say... Do you like this tune? I mean, that it comes. The whole reason why I was doing this is that grassroots level of turning, going up to a mate's house with a, with a tune saying you've got to hear this. That's it. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the most purest things in, in just finding music. And unfortunately, with you, you probably heard a lot of it, and you're educating me in terms of what's what. No, but not at all, man. You got some amazing records. You heard that, right? Okay. Well, listen, mate. Uh, keeping on the drummer bass tip. What we got next? Uh, it's um, something from probably. Um, I can't remember exactly, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say about 97, 98 ish, maybe maybe slightly earlier, even maybe 96. Uh, it's on a label called Urban Flavor, which if I if I'm correct, I think was from the Midlands, maybe Wolverhampton or something. And it's like a dope, jazzy kind of roadsy uh, drum and bass thing, which I just really like. Thank you. 
Is there anything Mark Mack can't turn his hand to? What an absolute <laughs> legend. Yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan. And uh, yeah, I suppose just I wanted to play that. I mean, we sort of dwelled quite a lot on the, on the old stuff and, and didn't really touch on new stuff. But I mean, that kind of bridges the gap between what we were just playing, drum and bass stuff, obviously, with Four Hero and stuff like that. And the one I went to play last, which is... Well, I say more contemporary. It's probably actually knocking on for ten years old now, but like a more contemporary style of hip hop. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is um, platinum pipe pipers, and um, yeah, I think just there was like a point in time when I mean, I got I got quite strong bass stuff we were playing, and I got really into broken beat stuff and sort of like jazzy beatsy stuff, and um, I was finding a lot of hip hop quite stale, I guess, at that point. And then there was like this kind of for me a bit of a resurgence when platinum pipe pipers and Saw Ra and all these acts came out. It was like Oh shit, people are doing these really kind of like tied together the digital stuff and the jazz stuff and the hip hop, you know, and then it was like it's that kind of got me really excited about making music again. Wicked man, so thanks for doing this. Appreciate you Pleasure. coming along and uh, and uh, me chewing you off for a couple of hours. But, um, in the, you know, like, classic example of, of why I do this uh, and why I collect records, and I guess it's why we both do. But I pulled out a record, I didn't know it, and it's like the look of, what, you don't know that? I love that. I love that. What? <laughs> that you don't just, know that? I love that. That's that what just I, makes me sound really condescending. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chris Reed. <laughs> nah, not at all, man. That's the beauty of it. I mean, that's the thing about, I didn't know the link between three sounds look up uh, repeat after me and the main ingredient I source <laughs> there's our relationship right there never never lets me get away with it at all but I love finding out new things for the rest of my life I will just always love hearing or discovering something new it's why I collect music it's just basically what keeps me going most days so um, yeah I suppose go on Chris bit of marketing uh, best way to find you or what you're up to what you're listening to uh, Mixcloud uh, well, our website, actually, I mean, um, musicofsubstance.com is, is my personal website and um, there's links on there to all of the different projects so you can find um, links for all my social stuff, um, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, all that stuff. And also for the Classic Material website, you can find from there. And uh, another project we do called So Much Soul, which is kind of like classic funk and soul stuff. There's another, you can find links for that there as well. And links for who sampled, and also it's got a discography page with all of my music on it. So um, yeah, you can just browse there and find stuff, something you want. Or is like, hopefully. On? Your gigs on there. Yeah, it's well. got gigs, all of that stuff as well. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, pay a visit and have a look. <laughs> He's busy. I've got so many calendar entries in my diary, like Chris Reed Tuesday. Cross that one out. Chris Reed Tuesday. Nah, he's not going to have that. And then I started writing, they were in pencil, and I started writing them in pen. And we crossed out the pen. But listen, that's cool, man. I love that. That's You're just a busy guy. So um, thanks again. We're going to end this, Chris. What we got? Uh, last one is um, Platinum Pipe Pipers from the Triple P album, which came out in, I think, 2006 or seven, maybe. Uh, track called Your Day's Gone with Georgia. Um, and yeah, I just love, I love this sound and it kind of really got me excited about um, this kind of music and making this kind of music. Again, when 
Thank you.